This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something, PJ, today that I haven't been doing a whole lot of lately. What's that? I, I'm going back to my roots. The roots of this show. Okay. All right. Because we're going to talk a whole mess of college football today. Just a bunch. Just a mess we of it. We haven't gotten away from it a little bit. That's kind of odd. Well, there's been things happening like golf flipping upside down and just some fun, interesting conversations like talking about running up that hill for yeah. 20 minutes yesterday. Movies Listen, stuff, they yeah. only give us an hour a day. It's true. And so if we get stuck on one tangent or PJ trying to start the beginning of one story, it's over. All right. We had that we didn't need that. You know what PJ is? So We didn't need that. I got done with that story yesterday in like two and a half your minutes. Your stories are okay? like the books. I was watching the Two timer. and a half minutes in like 40-ish minutes of audio is a lot. Yeah, but, but what, what <laughs> else would we do? Is it, we're just going to sit there and live. I did you a favor. You know how Lord of the Rings, like the, the trilogy it is, uh, in and of itself is like three books long. And then The Hobbit is a little itty-bitty book that's not bigger than any of the individual books. True, yes. So, so you have like the little itty-bitty Hobbit, which is kind of the prequel to Lord of the Rings, which is the much longer trilogy, right? Of course, yeah. Your stories are like the movie version of that, where you stretch out the prequel into like three movies that are way too long. No, not at all. And then you I, get into I the would, story, which is actually good. I would argue but then the, the latter. But the prequel's trash. The prequel isn't trash at all. If you... If you don't, are you defending watch the Hobbit movies? The prequel, no, I. Okay. It, also, wait a minute. The the prequels in the Hobbit were an issue because of the overuse of CGI when they didn't need it. Or you know, just like adding things into the movie that never happened in the books ever, like characters. Well, I didn't read the books, like so I don't characters care. and ever. I didn't so. read the books, so I don't care. Anyway, <laughs> not to get off on another tangent, but that being said, we're gonna talk some college football today. Because I've been having some thoughts, uh, and I want I want to give you the option, PJ, here in the first segment to determine which one we're going to go to first. So right. I'll make sure to take five minutes doing that. <laughs> <laughs> we have five players that Georgia's 2022 season is going to hinge on. Okay. And this is not like the one. big... Uh, there's still big names because they play for Georgia, but this is not the Stetson Bennett's or Brock Bowers. Like Those are the known commodities, right? The Jalen Carters. This is... You need 22 guys at least to step up and make plays. These are some of those guys who are going to be thrust into that role. Season kind of hinges on how they do when they're thrust into the spotlight. Or I have the potential first trip up of the season for the top five teams. That's pretty interesting, too. Um, will we cover both in this show no matter what? Yes. Okay. Well, let's start with the five players then. Because I, I, I like both of those quite a bit. But let's let's go with the five players for Georgia. I'm well, also what I did see. there, now that we've switched, uh, we've kind of determined which way we're going, is we've, we've done something in the in the biz called a tease. So now people know what's coming up, too. Yeah, for sure. It's very yeah. good. The first trip up I envision <laughs> for the top five teams. And, hey, stick around, because it's like this is kind of a top five inside of a top five. You get to kind of figure out who my top five teams are going into 2020. Oh, you're not just doing it based off like... No, nah, hell no. There we go. Okay, good for, good for you, man. Who am I supposed to trust for a preseason ranking? Absolutely no one, because none of them matter. All right, good. That being not said, even yourself. Whoa. 
Whoa. It matters to me, <laughs> and it's going to matter to the people listening. Uh, that being said, let's dive in the top five players that I believe Georgia's 2022 season hinges on. Uh, we'll start on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, you lost a historic amount of talent off a historically good defense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That being said, I thought last year was kind of the culmination of Kirby Smart just stacking recruiting classes because you saw a bunch of different guys from a bunch of different classes stepping up and making plays, and Georgia like hasn't stopped recruiting, right? You, you still all. have a bunch of blue chippers over there. Oh, yeah. They're just playing behind a bunch of future NFL players, and now it's their turn, and these guys, for the most part, are future NFL players as well. Uh, so the first guy you did not see a lot of last year, unless it was garbage time, but it's because he was playing behind three current NFL players that I believe were all drafted in the first three rounds. Uh, Jamon Dumas-Johnson. Inside linebacker, we've talked about him. His nickname's Pop. Yep. But that being said, inside of this Kirby Smart defense, that inside linebacker position is asked to do a lot. Like, think about Roquan Smith and Kobe Dean and the plays that they made in the different areas of the field that they're on, right? Mm -hmm. Some teams, uh, not to take a shot, and this is not a shot at all, you have a Paul Pazlesny, right, to go Penn State on you, right? What was his job? His job was to sit in the middle of the field Read what's happening in the backfield. If the ball gets handed off to the running back, do his best to fill that hole. If not, just create havoc, create a pile, uh, and then wait for the other 10 guys to get there and make a play, right? Yeah. And then sure. in the passing game, it was just kind of to take up 5, 10 yards in the middle of the field. If you can swat a ball down, great. But for the most part, you're just there as an obstacle to make the passes over the middle a little bit harder. But your job, if you're Paul Pozlesny, is to just be a menace yeah. in the run game, right? Yeah. Think about what Roquan and Kobe Dean have had to do the past few years. Roquan Smith the way he would come on those delayed blitzes, sideline to sideline making plays, right? N'Kobe Dean, I uh, believe, yeah, led Georgia in sacks yeah. last year from that inside linebacker spot, but maybe his most famous play uh, is him manned up in the Michigan game on the running back, and they try to throw that orbit motion to him to the sideline, and he bird dogs him, yeah. right? From sideline yeah, side yeah. to sideline, faster than their starting running back, Georgia's inside linebacker tracking him down, right? You're asked to do a whole lot. Oh, and by the way, every now and then we're going to need you to drop back into coverage. I think back to the Alabama National Championship game where N'Kobe Dean's like losing it because he's covering his guy and Channing Tindall kind of let his guy get loose. And so N'Kobe Dean comes off of his guy, hits Law to the tight end, breaks that pass up. And then the next play, you have Channing Tindall go make the sack. Yeah. So you, you are <laughs> yeah. the field general. You have to cover. We're going to send you on a lot of blitzes. Oh, and we need you to go sideline to sideline, too, when we decide to go man-to-man. Mm-hmm. And we're blitzing other guys. There's a ton of stuff. And I need you. I need a ton you, of area. Yeah, I need you tapping defensive linemen on the butts, getting them lined up in the right spot. So it's a whole lot that they're asking these guys to do. And I just think back at the different linebackers that have played that spot for Kirby Smart. And for the most part, they all turned out to be amazing NFL players. Dante Hightower, Reggie Ragland. Uh, Reuben Foster, yeah, right? Come to Georgia. Roquan Smith's a top 10 pick and inside linebacker. You don't really do that anymore, mm-hmm. right? And Kobe Dean, because he was banged up, drops to the third round, but everything we've heard from the Eagles so far is, holy cow, <laughs> Yeah, like how did this guy drop? Right. So well, Basically everything we were thinking before the draft. You know. Yep. So Jamon Dumas-Johnson, uh, I think you don't if, – if Channing Tindall had stayed, which I understand why he went, he was – Picked in the third round, I believe, by the Miami Dolphins. I know he was picked by the Miami Dolphins, but I think it was third round. Uh, if he had stayed, I think you feel a little bit better because you're like, okay, known commodity. Yeah. Channing Tindall, right. maybe the fastest player on the front seven, right? And a known commodity inside linebacker. Dumas Johnson, on the other hand, you don't know. Yeah. 
And you have other guys that are going to play as well. Xavier Sori, uh, I think, is someone to watch out for. Might be the most athletic guy on that defense. But with this team, with this defense, you have to have that big-time inside linebacker present presence. Excuse me. And they didn't try to go out to the portal. They didn't try to go steal somebody from another team and say, hey, we have all this opportunity. We just lost three guys. We need you. They felt good with what they have because they went out and handpicked them from high school. And they've groomed him under Nicobe Dean and Channing Tindall and Quay Walker. So Jamon Dumas Johnson is the first one. Second one is a guy that I believe is kind of a known commodity, but he's replacing a stalwart at maybe the most important position outside of quarterback on the team. Uh, and that's Broderick Jones, who's going to step in at left tackle. Mm. So we saw Jamari Sawyer for the most part was your left tackle last year, but everyone knew he projected as a guard. That was his right. best position. And whoever you want to believe out of Athens, he wanted to go play guard to better his chances in the NFL draft. But Kirby Smart, it's kind of like, hey, Todd Munkin, hey, we we need you at left tackle. This mm-hmm. is where if we're, we're trying to dial it in. We believe our best fit is with you at left tackle. So for the most part, he played at left tackle. I think <laughs> Broderick Jones got four starts, I want to say, at left tackle, just once some injuries hit. But for the most part, it was Jamari Sawyer's spot. Go back and watch the national championship. And when Georgia's offense started clicking, they moved Sawyer inside to guard yeah. and put Broderick Jones in at left tackle. So they trusted him enough to yeah. say, this is the national championship game. Our offense is sputtering. And there's a really cool clip from ESPN uh, where Kirby Smart comes to the offense. I think they went three and out twice to start the game. And he comes over to the offense and the skill guys, he's like, calm down, calm down. We're not blocking anybody. This is your fault. This or this is not your fault. We're not blocking anybody up front. Don't panic. Don't freak out. We just we we need you guys to stay locked in. We're gonna get figured out up front. Yeah. And kind of that formula for them was all right, we're gonna put Broderick Jones at left tackle, we're gonna kick Jamar Sawyer inside, and then what do they start doing? Yeah. You start hitting George Pickens down the field for a big game. And then I think one of the more underrated aspects of that game, you just started gutting Alabama up the middle running the football. For sure. That's the funny thing is, like, in, in that game especially, a lot of people hit, see those big passes and touchdown passes and everything. One of the first things I think of, other than the the, the tight end catch, uh, yeah. Brock Bowers catch, is just watching the second half and thinking to myself, Georgia is gutting Alabama, Alabama, yeah. they're gutting Alabama and just dominating them up front. No one does this, and they're doing it right now. And like you said, it was after that switch. So Yeah, so I think I think Broderick Jones, and we brought him up because Athlon actually has him as a first-team All-SEC guy right. going into 2022. I still think Warren McClendon has proven more freshman All-American, Yeah, started yeah. every game at right tackle for Georgia last year in a national championship season. I think Warren McClendon's got that side locked down, and I think potential first-team All-SEC, potential All-American, and maybe a first-round pick, yeah. just how talented he is. But Broderick Agreed. Jones taking over that left tackle position, if he can get in there and solidify that, which he did in the national championship, but now you're the guy for a whole season, Georgia's offensive line can be dangerous next year. All right, flipping back over to defense, uh, a guy who uh, probably has your to guess there's at least five to 100 people listening to this show right now that have a picture of him hanging on their wall. Keely Ringo. Yep. Bear with me. I was wondering where he'd fall yeah, on this list. I know yeah. he is a hero of the national championship, but if you listen to Kirby Smart this offseason going through spring, it's he's super talented, 
If he does everything he's supposed to do, he could be a top 10 pick, but he's still super raw. Mm-hmm. The dude is built like Captain America, like created in a lab. Right. Like six foot two, six foot three. Doesn't look like he should be able to run like he does, but he, it's like a Clydesdale. Yeah. Right. I, somebody said this, and I feel terrible because I'm not going to give him the credit, but they kind of compared him to Sean Taylor. Obviously, that's very, very, very high praise, but I think it was sure. more so in terms of stature, where you're just like, yeah. they walk out on the field, you're like, holy cow, man. Yeah, You're not supposed to look like that playing corner. Corner's supposed to be like slight and just kind of run with you. You're not supposed to look like a defensive end playing corner. Yeah, And that's sure. what Keely Ringo does. But this year, he doesn't have the Darian Kendrick on the other side. Right, it's going to be an unknown. He's the known now. Yeah, exactly. And so, looking at this, I think Christopher Smith's a known. I think they're going to get it figured out, even if it is Dan Jackson at the other safety spot. He's serviceable at safety, and they have other guys that can rotate in there. But if you could have one half of the field locked down, because mm-hmm. you don't have that same front seven, teams are going to be able to get more time and throw the ball downfield. But if you can have one side of the field locked down, that allows Kirby Smart to get, and Will Muschamp and those guys to get super creative with the other half of that field in the secondary, mixing up coverages. If you just have one lockdown guy that can take away their best defender or uh, offensive threat, excuse me, that just changes your dynamic and makes your defense elite. So Keely Ringo's on there. couple more here on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to go Kendall Milton. Okay, yeah. I've heard all the hype. Right. Saw him in Tuscaloosa a couple years ago, gutting Alabama up the middle. Mm-hmm. And then outside of that, it's been garbage time and injuries. Not trying to take anything away from him. He was, he was playing behind a couple of NFL running backs uh, and James Cook and Zamir White. But Kenny McIntosh is a known commodity, I think. And he's probably your number one back going into 2022. But we've seen the recipe for Georgia forever be you got that thunder and lightning. You have the lightning with Kenny McIntosh. Yeah. Great pass catcher. Made like that, a levitating catch, like Julian Edelman style in the national championship game. Yeah. Right? Kendall Milton, known com- or not Kendall Milton, uh, Kenny McIntosh, known commodity, right? Kendall Milton supposedly has put on weight this offseason in a good way, yoked up, big time dude. I don't know, hope it's not like Jasper Sanks territory, but big time <laughs> dude, right? <laughs> if he can step up and be that guy, then you're right back where you usually are, which is two outstanding NFL running backs. Yep. I get worried if you don't have him step up. Because Kenny McIntosh can't carry the rock 30, 40 times a game. Right. That one, I think, is probably going to be one of the more interesting stories. Is this Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb? Yeah, yeah. Or is it Caleb King and Wayshawn Ely? Mm-hmm. I, that is very interesting, too, like from, from that aspect. Yeah, I have people put on weight and, and muscle and just, like you said, yoked up yeah. and... That changes your play style, obviously, a little bit, too. Like, your body is different in the middle of a game. So that might feel great in the first quarter, but how different does that feel in the second or the third? Obviously, you're supposed to be imposing your yeah. will on other other guys with, with that body. But, I mean, you still have to be able to feel out and, and change your ways to that different play style. So I, I know he had some muscle before, and he could use his body before, but hearing that always kind of, because everyone yeah. kind of assumes like, oh, he's bigger, he's more muscly, he's going to be able to tank over people, and that's not going to affect him at all. I wonder how much of that, like, though, is like that just the baby fat's gone. Yeah, true. Right? Coming in, I think, as a, what, junior now? Yeah, junior. Baby fat's gone, and he's just a grown man. 
Yeah. And apparently he was ripping off big runs uh, against the defense and some of the scrimmages leading up to G-Day. But again, I just think you, with this offense, what made it work so with those big play actions, right? That's what opened up this offense for everything. And you're going to have three tight ends that are unbelievable this year. Yeah. Right? You're going to be able to block. But at the same time, to open up that passing game for those guys, you're going to have to suck those linebackers up, and you need mm-hmm. that play action for that. So I think the only way you really stop this Georgia's offense is if you're able to really just beat down on the line of scrimmage, shut down the run, and then force – I'm not trying to say force Stetson Bennett to beat you because he's proven he can do that, but yeah. just make it a one-dimensional passing game. You haven't been able to do that because of how good Georgia's backs have been, but you need a couple of them. Absolutely. All right, last guy. Speaking of that passing game here, I wanted to go with a couple of different people here because it is kind of an open audition here, but Jermaine Burton left a pretty sizable hole on this Georgia offense. Now, I know A.D. Mitchell has kind of stepped up as that X receiver. Brock Bowers might be the best player in the country outside of Bryce Young and Will Anderson going into 2022, right? So you have a bunch of weapons that you can throw the football to, but you still need that second wide receiver. And I'm not talking about your slot receiver, uh, think Kyrus Jackson, Ladd McConkey, right? I'm not talking about that guy. Those guys are going to get their plays designed to them. They're going to get a lot of screens. Uh, and then when everything else is covered, they're going to be running wide open. You're going to be able to hit them. I'm talking about that Z receiver lined up on the other side of A.D. Mitchell where when everything got shut down last year, think about Georgia in the national championship. When everything got shut down and Alabama, all the momentum was leaning their way, what did Todd Munkin dial up? Two straight passes, big shots to Jermaine Burton. Because he said, I have a receiver right here who's a pro who can go out there and cook somebody, get open, and I know he's going to be open for me to get this pass and get this drive rolling, right? You go with a big play action, come back route to the left, hit him for that, pick up a first down. Very next play, go after the, the freshman corner with a stop and go. You get the play. You get the per, pass interference. I don't know why I can't talk. You get the pass interference penalty, and all of a sudden, boom! You have all the momentum right back. Of course, mm-hmm. Ad Mitchell finishes it for you, right? But it was when everything wasn't working. We have a wide receiver who can go out there, cook somebody, and make a play. Right. Ad Mitchell is that big body X receiver, which you need because he's going to be on the line of scrimmage. He's going to be getting jammed. He's going to be in man to man. He's big bodied enough to go get open. I think on the other side of that Z. Todd Munkin is dreaming that this guy can stay healthy for a full season. Arian Smith. Yeah. Because that is a yeah. nightmare. I love Ladd McConkey. I love Kyrus Jackson, some of the other guys. But they ain't as fast as Arian Smith. Mm-hmm. And when he has been healthy, no one's been able to cover him. Right. So if Arian Smith can stay healthy and you can put a couple tight ends on the field, him on the other side of Mitchell – and then a back, that offense is filthy. It is. And so it could still be good without them, but I think to be national championship good, you're going to need at least two or three wide receivers who can go get open whenever they need to. So those are my top five guys that I think Georgia's 2022 hinges on. Do you have any names you want to throw in there? Or are you, you feeling, I mean, feeling on, pretty comfortable? Honestly, I think those are good. Uh, I think that last one especially is really good because, like you said, if you scheme out and you think about that offense, you have several different tight ends that you have to worry about blocking and uh, covering at the same time because they can go out and pass catch. You have two solid running backs, hopefully two solid running backs that can rotate in in and out. you you got to figure out uh, what each one is doing. Of course, you have Mitchell on one side, kind of a big body who can go up and get it. And the other side, 
is to- uh, not totally different, but speed kills, man. We've heard it in the SEC for years. Speed, 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 right? So speed kills, especially when you're having to deal with one guy who can just burn any of your cornerbacks and another guy who can beat any of your cornerbacks in the air. So stylistically, if that offense works out that way, you have everything on the table to cause fits for a defense. So I think especially those last two are, are really, really solid. There we go. We're going to come back here. We're going to continue talking some college football. Next, we have the potential first tripping up point for the top five teams in college football. I'll tell you who the top five teams in college football are and who I think, if they're going to lose a game, this will be the one that they do. Yeah, We'll do it next right here on second down. Second down on ESPN Radio, presented to you by the Uniform Source. Two different locations in Savannah to take care of all of your uniform needs. We are less than three months out, PJ. It's getting closer and closer. Thank you. Could you sound a little less excited? I mean, what? What is this? Or is it just like you're like fighting through the war of the offseason and you're what just is like, this? that's it, man. We're yeah, almost that's there. It. I said we're getting closer and closer. And beaten. Can't wait. Looking forward Can't to it. Can't stand anywhere NBA basketball. I mean, Live NBA basketball is plenty of fun. Live golf is lame, but... <laughs> you know, I'm tired of the golf talk. I'm tired of pretending I care about NBA basketball. Just get me back to college football. That's more you than me. I, I like I like NBA basketball. I like I, NBA basketball, too. I like I love the finals, but if I, if I presented to you, PJ Zuko, a NBA finals game, or let's go... Don't say something like... No, I'm gonna. I'm trying to think of something fun. Okay, that yeah. Hmm. I thought you were gonna go like bad, like like a bad college football game no. versus an NBA final. Iowa, game. Iowa State. That's fun. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Why? Because it's fun. All right, fine. It's like uh, six to three every year. Uh, right? oh, I can't say bedlam. That's too fun. Right, <laughs> that's the thing. That would stand a chance. You're like, oh, Bedlam. <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. Uh, Arkansas Ole Miss. Yeah, no, for sure. Okay. Uh, not only that, that was one of the best games of the season. It's always one year. of the best games of the season. But also, like two kind of middling teams. Even though one one nine, one one ten last year, so that's not fair of me to say. But you know. Yeah, sure. Don't tell an SEC fan that. I am an SEC fan. So what do you fan. mean? I We're both a, top 10 every year. I am an SEC fan. The top 10 in the SEC, they're top 10 in the country. <laughs> That's it, man. That might, as, might as well be. Might as well be. I tried to, I'm trying to look into my crystal ball here, PJ, and I'm, I'm looking at my top five teams for 2022, which just to quickly roll through them here uh, is Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, and Utah. Okay. Utah, give me two. I, okay. Utah's good. They are good. They're, but like, they're far and away, I still believe, even with uh, USC and all of their mercenary additions, I still think Utah, best team in the Pac-12. Yeah, you know no, why? for sure. Agreed. Three words. Line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And I think that matters. So those are my five teams, and I'm going to give you when they're going to lose their first game. You going to start with Utah because they're fun? Five, I think 5-1 to one is always the best way cool. to do this. Let's yes. do it. Utah... Number five, potentially to start the season, they won't be there very long because they start at Florida. Wow. Really? Yeah. I think Florida, Anthony Richardson, Billy Napier, and then boys down in the swamp. Listen, Utah is a beautiful place. If you haven't been out there, 
wonderful part of the country, and it gets warm during the summer. It is not Gainesville in September. Yeah. That I can promise you. That's a good point. And when Anthony Richardson weighs 240 pounds and he's been leaning on you all day, eventually something's going to break. Yeah. So I, a few things. I, I think Utah probably still ends up winning the Pac-12, and maybe they're in the conversation for the college football playoff at the end of the year if they can rip off 12 in a row after losing the first one. Mm-hmm. But I believe, yeah, Utah starts the season 0-1. That's a very good point. Honestly, I, at, at first I was like, man, he, he just really believes in Florida and this new offense and everything like that. Which I believe take, in Florida, but I also away. believe in, uh, you know, when he says heat feels like. For sure, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that aspect, I'm not going to lie. Uh, and the fact that this is in the swamp as well, and it's not like one of literally these. literally is going to be a swamp. It, it, it is. It constantly I hope, is. I hope they play that at like noon. Yeah. No, gosh, that, that'd, be, that'd be rough. That'd be rough for Utah, for sure. But. Like, I, I forgot that this wasn't one of those premier, like, in a dome season openers, right? It's yeah. it's, pre, it's pretty premier. Like, it's it's a pretty awesome game. You hear Florida and Utah, and you don't necessarily think that, but uh, I think it's going to be a great game. Forgot it was in the heat of the swamp, though. So, I'm with you there. That makes sense. All right, so after Utah starts 0-1, uh, we're going to move to October 24th because I believe two of the teams go down – on October 24th, Clemson. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be a top five team, probably win the ACC again. But they're going to run into a little team on October 24th that just happens to be a division champ from 2021. Yeah. The Demon Deacons. Okay. Clemson has to go to Wake, and it's sandwiched in between. Uh, this is immediately before they want to get revenge against NC State, and that one's at Clemson. Right. So that's the week before. And so you got to make a little trip to Wake to take on the Demon Deacons. And Sam Hartman's back. They want to defend their division championship. Yeah. I think Clemson drops that one. Because Wake Forest can put up some points. And Clemson, as of right now, I have not seen that to be the case. I will say this. There is a distinct possibility their defensive line is comparable to Georgia's last year. Yeah. I know that sounds like sacrilege to the people <laughs> driving in the car. But they are, they are freaky deep. On that defensive line, probably have three first-round picks. Yeah. On that defensive line, go check it out. That makes sense though for Clemson. I yes. mean, that, that's uh, everyone thinks about quarterbacks and and you know the running back. Well, obviously with Travis Etienne in the past and, and whatnot, but they make their hay on that defensive line, yeah. and they have for a while. So, makes sense. Now I want to know the origins of making some hay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I might have made that up. I'm not sure. We'll look it up. Another team that I believe drops their first one, top five team drops their first one on October 24th, Ohio State. Yep. Who's uh, October 24th? Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The Badgers. And this one is in Columbus. And again, these are just if they lose a game. This right. is the one I think they're going to lose. Ohio State starts the season against Notre Dame. That's unfortunate for Notre Dame because they get the whole offseason to prepare for them. And I just don't think Notre Dame has the guns to keep up with Ohio State. Then they go Arkansas State and Toledo. It feels like one, one kind of bad team sandwiched between Notre Dame and Wisconsin. I feel a little bit better about Ohio State just blowing them out. Yeah. But you kind of get two meh games in a row. Arkansas State, Toledo, and then here comes the old Badgers to town. Right. Who just very quietly last year had a top three defense. Yeah. Just can't get out of their own way on offense. Right. And again, they they yeah. have they're gonna have one of the best running backs in the country. Uh, I mean, like 
constantly up there. I believe a, uh, I believe a Clemson transfer up there running yep. back for, for Wisconsin. So it, it's always can there be any type of threat in, in the passing game for yeah. me. But I will but no, say. This is going to be one of those weird games. This is going to yeah. be one of those Ohio State's offense can't get out of their own way. Uh, you get a couple of drops at end drives. Also, Wisconsin just like is, is stuffing Tavian Henderson at the line of scrimmage, which is what you're going to have to do if you're going to beat Ohio State. Absolutely. And 2022, that dude's a freak. Yep. Uh, but you're stuffing him and then just like playing man coverage on the outside, making C.J. Stroud like fit in a really tight window, just making their life a living hell. Maybe like a punt block. Maybe not even a punt block. Maybe like Ohio State's punter drops the punt. Yeah. Right? And he just set Wisconsin up in a good enough position to get a toss sweep for a touchdown. Right? And then something else stupid happens. Like Ohio State breaks off a big catch and they punch the ball out. It's just something stupid. Right, yeah. uh, very like Mark Ingram in the Iron Bowl in 2010. Right, something like that's going to have to happen. But if the team's going to do it, I think it's Wisconsin. So, so like that, there was a Michigan State upset a few years ago. There was like nine to six at Ohio State. I think so, this one's so, probably more in the realm like of like 17, 15. Something yeah. stupid. Something crazy. Yeah, yeah. understandable. All right, you ready? As, as weird as it is for like as as much of a home field advantage as the horseshoe normally is, there's always kind of one that slips through the crack with Ohio State on, on these types of seasons. Like last year with Oregon, like I said, a few years ago with Michigan State. It's a great place to play, but they're not unbeatable there. Yeah. So, makes sense. All right, you ready to make some people mad? For sure, always. There have been many teams that has been pontificated about that Georgia's going to lose to in the regular season. Now, the odds-on favorite is that they're going to go undefeated because the regular season schedule is very meh. Right? Yeah. You get Mississippi State and Auburn as your crossovers from the West. And the SEC East is still very much rebuilding. Even though Kentucky's coming off another 10-win season, they're rebuilding. Lost some more guys from that defense. Uh, but you do have they do have their best quarterback and running back coming back. So Kentucky's probably your number one contender. I hear Tennessee as well. And then South Carolina has Spencer Rattler. So SEC is, East is better than it has been in the past. But Georgia's still the odds-on favorite to run through that division and go play probably Alabama in the SEC championship again. South Carolina is a name I keep hearing thrown out there just because of Spencer Rattler. Mm-hmm. Put Spencer Rattler on last year's South Carolina team, nothing changes. Yep. That team is still getting demolished because, my three favorite words, line of scrimmage. Right? Spencer Rattler's great. Going to be a fun quarterback to watch in the SEC. He's not making a difference in that game next. Mm-hmm. Tennessee. Agreed. It's in Sanford Stadium. Right? You got some more wide receivers. You have your quarterback in another year, Hendon Hooker there with uh, Josh Heupel to get comfortable in that offense. It's in Athens. Georgia's kind of circled that one already, I guarantee you. I don't see Tennessee upsetting them. And then Kentucky, that's probably going to be at the end of the year for the SEC East. We've seen how that went in the past. Yeah. Right? Yep. So that leaves me with a team we've already mentioned. The game in Jacksonville. Wow. The Florida Gators. Really? How many times have the Florida Gators snatched the soul out of a Georgia season? So many. And how cosmic and poetic and just symmetrical would it be if Georgia walks into the SEC championship at 11-1, and SEC East division champs, and then you lose to Alabama, and there's that second loss, have fun in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Jeez, God, that's rough. What are you, what are you doing to people? Meanwhile, today? Florida has like three losses, <laughs> but two of their wins were over Georgia and Utah, so they get to go and play whatever the Outback Bowl is called now. Yeah. 
right? Or that probably with that type of record, probably New Year's Six, and probably go to the Fiesta Bowl or something. Potentially, but I just that game. Georgia's been twenty twenty was weird, but Georgia's been way too consistent in that game over the past five years, right? You kicked they kicked the hell out of Georgia in twenty twenty. Yeah. Right, but that was a very weird kind of stars aligning year. It was mm-hmm. COVID, and then you had your best quarterback since Tim Tebow, and then a freak like Kyle Pitts kind of lining up. That was a weird year. I think that game's going to be closer, and it was pretty damn close this past year, even with as bad as Anthony Richardson played. Florida just couldn't get out of their own way. So I think if Georgia does lose one in 2022 in the regular season, it's going to be to Florida. That brings us to the Alabama Crimson Tide. How about that? They got... A big old game circled in October. Sure. And Jimbo Fisher, <laughs> who was just, what's the word, PJ? Um, disgu- what, what was it? Disgusting. Is it disgusting? Disgusted. I don't know if that was the word. I don't. Despicable. Despicable. It's just despicable. Despicable. It ain't Texas A&M. It ain't the Iron Bowl because Auburn sucks. Yeah, no. Auburn's bad. really bad. Yeah. It ain't, it ain't the Iron Bowl. Even though Auburn sucked last year and that game was a hell of a game. Listen, Holden Garner's yeah. going to do everything he can. This but. one's in Tuscaloosa. Typically, when Auburn's down and they're playing in Tuscaloosa, it does not go well for the old Tiger War Eagles. Uh, Arkansas is going to be really good. Ole Miss is going to be really good. All these teams are going to be really good. I'm coming back to one game. And I know when it's going to be played. Didn't even have to look it up. This is the third Saturday in October. Yeah. When Alabama heads to old Knoxville, Tennessee. Wow. PJ, can you tell me the last time Alabama lost to Tennessee? No. Because I have no idea. Probably the late 90s. 15 years ago. 2006. Nick Saban's oh, first wow, year yeah. in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. I'd, because they weren't even really on the map. Yeah. yeah. And that they lost to him 16-13 to in Neyland Stadium. And since then, it has been a decade and a half of dominance in this series. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. What Georgia's done to Georgia Tech, for the most part, and even to a higher degree, Alabama's done to Tennessee. Yeah. Made them irrelevant in this rivalry. Tennessee's good. Go back and watch that Alabama-Tennessee game from last year. Tennessee was in that football game until a like, little bit into the fourth quarter. Yeah. Right? Turning heads, man. Just- and the two games, and I, I'm a big proponent of this leading up to, the two games leading up to this, Arkansas and A&M for Alabama. So they're going to be roughed up. Two physical games. Yeah. And two, I would say A&M's emotional because – Whatever you want to say about what Nick Saban said, when another guy comes out and is ripping your coach apart, you're going to be emotional and you're going to have some energy drain in that game just because of the passion. And, hey, that team beat you last year, Mm -hmm. right? And they're coming to your stadium. Both sides are going to be just insanely emotional. At Arkansas, going to be a tough-ass game. Right, tough. Yep. At Arkansas, come back home, take on Texas A&M. Kind of a revenge, not kind of, a revenge game. Mm-hmm. Hugely emotional. And then get on the bus and go to Neyland or the private jet, whatever they're taking. Yep. Where it's the, it's, it's also, it's the complete opposite. Yeah. They're, you're beaten and banged up and, and just have been bruised up over the past two weeks. And now you're taking on like a fighter jet. Yeah. Right? They're, they're just flying yeah. all over the place. Whew. That's a good one. I think, That's yeah. a good one. I yeah. think, yeah. I don't think Arkansas is going to get them. I don't think, I think they're going to be A&M by 30. Uh, yeah, Tennessee's going to be fun. Yeah. That's the one that I'm circling. So there you go. My top five teams and where I think potentially they could get tripped up for the first time in 2022. It doesn't last very long for Utah, <laughs> in my opinion. But, hey, it's going to be fun to be preseason <laughs> number five. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back with more right here on second down. 
All right, so we've determined something during the break because we were talking about Utah going out of Gainesville, which probably when they signed that, Florida was thinking, oh, we'll, we'll take on Utah. They're a pretty good team, but that's a, that's a week one dub for us. And Utah was thinking, we'll go collect that paycheck. But now it's a little bit different story, right? Utah's a really good football team. Florida's kind of in a rebuild mode, first-year coach down there. Got some good players, really talented team, but rebuild mode, right? You fired yep. Dan Mullen. So a little bit different storyline, I think, than when they originally schedule that game but the biggest player in that game is mother nature mm. and i know it's a, it's a night yeah. game which ben's disappointed about he kind of echoed my sentiment he was like i wish it was a one o'clock yep just to watch those dudes just wilt <laughs> right but that Fade being away. said i don't know about you pj i've lived in the south for a long time nighttime in september ain't much different than 3.30 in September. No, it's it's really not. It's it's similar to, like, after the rain. Like, you hope it's going to be yeah. refreshing after the rain. It just gets worse. It's kind of the same way at night. Like, you're staring at that thermometer, trying to will it to go down, and it just stays at 87. Like, what, what are you doing? That being yeah. said, like, SEC teams do have a history of doing this to opponents like that. We're like, okay, hey, you're a big-time team. Boise State, uh, I think it was, like, what, Jared Zirkel? was their quarterback at the time, came down, played Georgia. I think this was DJ Shockley's year, yeah. right? Came down, got absolutely thrashed. And it's just they they couldn't hold on. And it's like, yeah, Georgia was good. Boise State was really good. They just – you can't handle that heat, man. Yeah. No. Just, it, it's, it's a little bit different. And Athens, Georgia is Iceland <laughs> compared <laughs> to the middle of Florida it's so true. in September. That is – if the bugs aren't trying to kill you, then the alligators are trying to kill you. And if that doesn't work, then just the the you're walking in steam. Yep, is trying to kill you. Yeah, no, I I always said like when the humidity is high, you're drowning in air. Like that's literally what's going on because it, you just you're swimming like, through it. You man. know it's hot when we get to the part of the year where you get in your car and you roll down your window and you're like, okay, if I get moving while I let my AC start kicking in, if I can just get moving and get some airflow in here, it's going to feel better. But then the air on the outside of the car starts blowing in and it feels like an oven yeah. is blowing hot air in. It feels like you have the heater on. Correct. Yeah. It's rough, man. And just everything about it is. Yeah. And you you can try and simulate. It's it's a lot like you know, trying to simulate the, the noise and the yeah. sound that the crowd's making, right? You can try and simulate this however you want to in Utah. You're not going to be able to. But, the guaranteed, middle of the first yeah. quarter. Unless you practice in a sauna. Yeah, for sure. Uh, mi- yeah. Guaranteed, though, there's going to be guys cramping up oh my God. already. Like, probably second drive. And it's, it's nothing against them. They're all really hard athletes. It's just, unless you're used to this, you, you, you can't, can't imagine what it's like. And basically what I'm saying is, if I'm Georgia, I'm doing everything I can to get that that stadium roof open mm-hmm. and Mercedes Benz. That's true. And even that, I would be curious to see. And I know this is a, th- a theoretical exercise. Curious to see what the difference of score would be if Georgia played Oregon, not even at Sanford, played at Bobby Dodd. I could give a rip. Played at Grady Memorial, whatever you want to play it at in Atlanta. Played outside. Yeah. At three thirty. Yeah. Opening weekend of college football season versus playing it inside Mercedes Benz. Tell me what the score difference is because I guarantee you it's probably around 20 points. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and get you ready for three and out next. Three and out coming up next right here on ESPN Radio. If you miss any portion of our show, you can check it out on ESPNCoastal.com or wherever you get your podcast. The guys going to catch up next on what is happening with the Atlanta Braves. Our dear sweet Ozzy Albies. 
expected to miss at least a couple of months with a Oof. broken foot. Oof. Rough. Orlando RC is ready to rock, though. Oh, we sure. got we got that going for us. But yeah. the Braves look to continue this win streak here as they take on the Washington Nationals. First pitch set for 7.05. You'll be able to hear all of that right here on ESPN Radio. PJ, does it make any difference to you that it was against Washington, or does this, this win number 12 in a row count the same as them all? Because I know... Yesterday, you were complaining to us about I'm, who they I'm were winning against. I'm not complaining about anything. I'm, I'm happy they're still winning, but Washington's still bad. So, eh. Well, the Braves were 10 and a half games a out win, to start though. June. Currently, five games out going into tonight's matchup. Chopping so into that lead. Just, just keep it going. Did you just hit us with a Kirby Smart keep chopping wood, PJ? My man's going to be a I, dog sooner <laughs> than later. We'll talk to everyone tomorrow.